Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Hello and welcome to episode 101 of Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast with myself, Ross Casey. And we are going against the grain this week. Wrestling should be fun. It normally should. Apart from Room 101 Wrestling Challenge. So we've got ourselves a booth of four of the greatest wrestling minds in the UK to go through their pet peeves of wrestling. And let's see which ones enter Room 101 and are left on the cutting room floor forever. So who, who do we have in the booth? We've got ourselves... Josh, Josh, you're back on the pod for the first time in a while. How have you been? I'm all good, mate. Uh, today, I've bought tickets to technically three different wrestling shows. So I am feeling the wrestling bug today for sure. Amazing, amazing. Where are you off to? So I'm going to the uh, Defy slash Progress show the weekend of All In. And then I'm going to the Wrestling Resurgence show in Leicester uh, on August the 12th, which is main evented by Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast guest Spike Gervais defending the championship against Kanji and Manlike Doris in the main event. So that should be a lot of fun. Mate, that sounds amazing. And especially for you. As oh, you're a man like Doris boy. Six days before my birthday in my city, my guy wins my championship, then happy days, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Further down the booth, we've got ourselves. Come man, you're back on the booth after a while off yourself. How have you been? Yeah, good. I just want to say, and I'm sure everyone feels the same, that the episode 100 with uh, Spike Trevay, well, that was a bit of a doozy, wasn't it? Big respect to yourself, Ross. I know you did some of the prep for that, but also to Dom, who's not here today. And of course, Spike being on the pod it was such a joy to listen to and it's up there with the best episodes we've done so it was very fitting there was episode 100 and i just want to give you massive props for that mate it was fantastic oh thanks matt um we've had a fantastic response to it from the wrestling community which was fantastic to hear and feel including some brand new listeners off the back of it so that's fantastic for us and we'd like to again thank spike at progress and lee at progress for helping us set that up for our special 100th centenary show raise our bat there's the first cricket reference and let's move on to someone who i used to play cricket with it's the sultan how you doing sultan yeah i'm i'm fantastic after an introduction like that <laughs> remember <laughs> remembering 25 year old cricket games yeah i've, I've got a smile on my face now <laughs> how's your uh wrestling week been uh wonderful wonderful yeah? Yes, it's been, I can't remember most of it, but it's probably been good. I saw that you also someone that uh, tuned in for the episode 100 and, and you're a big fan. Now you're just, Ross, come on. Now you're just you're trying to provoke praise, you know. You know it was good, <laughs> all right? Like, you don't need to rub it in. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Look, I may have said in passing that it's, you know, one of the best ever episodes I've heard of a podcast with a wrestler on, okay? But you don't need to milk it on in the show, do you? You know, like... <laughs> I just wanted to get that strap line on an audio file. No, wrestling <laughs> should be humble. <laughs> Shiki baby. <laughs> and last but not least, he's a little bit late because of bedtime, but we've got ourselves Brummit back on the booth. How you doing, Brum? Yeah, I'm too bad. That's not my bedtime. That's uh... <laughs> to be clear, it's the, the bedtime of a, a child I'm legally connected with. A son, that's what you call them, isn't it? A son. Um, so, um, yeah, it was a bit painful, but we got there. A bit like blood and guts, but we'll we'll get to that later. Great stuff, mate. 
You've been showing us some footage recently of some uh, top rope moves. Yeah, I used to, he's doing this absolutely horrible bump at the moment. You remember his two, <laughs> where he like he's diving from the top of the sofa, just knees first, without knee pads, obviously without knee pads. But it's just like, oh, it's just upsetting. Like a young Mike Bailey. I know, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, it's like Shane McMahon trying podcast. to get his dad's uh, approval. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all I did was slightly tap him on the back with a kendo stick as well. <laughs> and you missed the entrance to introduce the fact that this is room 101. Are you looking forward to letting off some steam and telling us all about your pet peeves later? Yeah, I think I looked at my list and I'm going to come across like an absolute dickhead, but it's room 101, so you've got to play by the rules, haven't you? <laughs> you also, because of bedtime, you missed the uh, slight pre-podcast chat. Whilst other people were talking, have a little think because we're going to do two each. So think of your two hotties. <laughs> I've got 10. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'll try to cut it down. Okay. Okay. We'll say that we'll give you two that we can talk through properly and then you can reel off the other eight and then we literally just do votes on them so that you can still get the full 10 out. How's that? Yeah, no problem. Yeah, we can make that work. Perfect. So without any further ado, let's get ourselves into the call-up sheet. So this week, we haven't had too many gimmicks asked, and quite a few of the people that have asked have already had them. So let's give a shout out to the ones that have already had their um, shout out previously and their gimmick. Shay L. Norris, Loaded Wrestling Podcast, Audio Master App, that was from a while ago, and Stepdad Blocking Sled. Harris, your mate Harrison. Come on, shout out to the boy, Harris. He's always looking for attention. (laughs) And that's it for the ones that have already had the shout out. So thanks very much for asking for your shout out. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And we'll be in touch to let you know that you've had your shout out on the show. Let's go into the people that need their gimmick added. So let's start with Pro Wrestling Reality. The pro wrestling stories that matter. Wrestling fans since 95. Insider fans only. 18 plus. Let's start with Josh. So I focus on the word reality. And I think pretty much I'm going to give him the very first Mike Mazzanin gimmick. Nice. Where he was from the real world. And we're going to bring that back. Because as much as, you know, early days Miz kind of sucked. It's kind of funny in hindsight, the gimmick. And I think in 2023, I think the gimmick's a lot more relevant. Particularly in Britrest, if you did it there. I think that'd be hilarious if you got like a, a Love Island like contestant doing the Indies in the UK. I think that'd be hilarious. I quite imagine like the idea. there was a Love Island contestant doing the Indies in the UK. Eh? Oh, imagine that. <laughs> that'd be wild, eh? Think I would Max never did, eh? <laughs> I quite like the I'm, idea. Of... I'm, I'm massively interested by the idea that it's over 18s and insiders only. He's like the, <laughs> he's like the rated R supermark. But the. <laughs> yeah. uh... <laughs> The the interestingly, it reminds me of this one of my favourite stories ever. I've never in my life thought about the age certification on on like films 
um to say videos dvds etc but I, um i remember at uni in my first week i met this bloke and he was um went into his room and he went you seen that and i went uh what do you mean he's like film collection so like, oh yeah there's some some good films there mate you know yeah but have you noticed something about it it's like what you went all 18s <laughs> <laughs> what a brag all right, mate. Well done. <laughs> all right, mate. how cool Love is it. that guy then bro <laughs> what what I don't understand is this guy's called Wrestling Reality, but he started watching wrestling in 1995. <laughs> <laughs> that is the height of terrible gimmicks like Mantar and Duke the Dumpster Drosy, you know, TJ Hopper. There's a massive disconnect there. More tripe bomb than pipe bomb, right? <laughs> oh, nice. I like the fact that um, it's insiders only. So rather than the outsiders, he's got a faction that's the insiders <laughs> and, dependent, and dependent on who you view as the villains in the story. He's with CM Punk and a dog, <laughs> or, or he's with the uh, Young Bucks. <laughs> well, the insiders were a tag team of DDP yeah. and Kevin Nash. I was going to say the same thing. There you go. <laughs> That's so the we... only wrestlers he likes. <laughs> <laughs> what a pair. <laughs> who better than pro wrestling reality? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, next up, we've got ourselves Emmanuel Pagan Colon, co-founder of Movies Quad PR, a.k.a. Mr. E, your next film director, the kid who dreamt big, San Juan, Puerto Rico. They're going to help produce the documentary that's going to follow our reality star from the first one, right? <laughs> Perfect. When he says the kid that dreamt, dreamt big, is he talking about the Tom Hanks movie? <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> Emmanuel's colon sounds like a dodgy film from the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon that's in that guy's film collection. <laughs> Next up, we've got ourselves Lapio Lavieletto. Undefeated at WrestleMania, Mets, Jets, Islander fan. Glutton for punishment for years, aspiring stand-up philosopher, dark horse hashtagger. I'd just like to say my favourite thing about the call-up sheet every week is Ross trying to pronounce non-Anglo-Saxon names. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> I'm so West Country. I'm so West Country. <laughs> I'd be no good on AAA. <laughs> Any thoughts for the dark horse hashtagger? I want to focus on the fact they've claimed they're undefeated at WrestleMania, and I want that to be their sole gimmick every single promo. But the joke is they literally never have a match at WrestleMania ever. Yeah. And that's just their gimmick. And they claim they're better than, like, even The Undertaker got beat at WrestleMania or even, like, Roman Reigns and people like that. And so, that's just their whole gimmick. So when they enter the Royal Rumble, they just go straight out? Yeah, they, <laughs> actively, that's what... look, they actively look to avoid competing at WrestleMania. <laughs> that's the inspiration, is the Curtis Axel, I'm still in the Rumble stuff. Yeah. So they have a mania. <laughs> the match doesn't happen for whatever reason, but then they're, they're claiming it forever. Still <laughs> they get a job as an accountant so that they're always busy in late April, late March and early April. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. On the beach. Next up and final, we've got Bagram Bully. Mostly wrestling, sports and low-grade photoshops that I hope make people laugh. Generally positive, but don't be an outright dick. From Boston, Massachusetts. 
Well, there was That's definitely like an era, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say the same thing. There was an era of WF where low grade Photoshop, which is probably still now the thing, were <laughs> the thing they always went to when they were struggling to build a few. So definitely fit for Titan Towers. <laughs> Wasn't the um that was the Ric Flair Savage thing, right? Where they photoshopped or if whatever the version of Photoshop was in nineteen ninety two, where they photoshopped his wife into the photos. Yeah, yeah. Have we seen she was, a, a... she was mine before she was yours. Yeah. Yeah, of course, yeah. Have we seen a with the advent of deep fakes, have we seen that been incorporated into a wrestling storyline yet? Oh, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Like um it would be incredible to fit onto like Cody Rhodes back in AW. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought more of like a wrestler pretending he's got like a winning streak over another one by just basically superimposing his face over <laughs> over like pinfall and submission victories over him. Like that, yeah, perfect. I what about his name, you. Bagroom Bully? There's got to be something there, right? Isn't there just loads of stories about wrestlers shitting in bags? <laughs> <laughs> I want him to um, to form a stable called the uh, the Bagroom Band, so he can or the Bagroom Bunch, so he can feud with the uh, the Matchroom Mob, the '80s snooker players, led by <laughs> Steve Davis. <laughs> well, we know what their theme tune would be, anyway, don't we? Yeah, well, that's, that's, well they rec- I think they recorded two. I think the A side was obviously Snookaloopy. I forgot the B side now, but yeah. As a reference for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> and as the uh, the bagroom bunch, their initials are BRB because they always make their entrance before the advert break. Yeah, hey, like it. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. And then when Excalibur says, like, don't leave because we'll be right back, he can say BRB. Perfect. <laughs> So there you go. There is this week's call-up sheet. Thanks to everyone for sending in their requests and we'll be in touch to let you know that you've been featured on the show. So that leads us nicely on to what the nerds are watching. I've been watching you a la 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 long a la 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 long 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 come on a la 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 long a la 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 long 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 So it's been a big week this week in wrestling with pay-per-views with big time shows and let's start with talking about AEW who of course almost hit a million viewers with their blood and guts show on Wednesday night which went almost the whole second hour the first hour was quite a yin and yang where a lot of fun and entertainment was going down to the point where I was thinking I was watching NXT and I was having a lovely time. And then hour two hit and there was blood and there was guts. What was your thoughts on the show, Brom? Yeah, I mean, the MJF Adam Cole thing continues to be an absolute hoot, doesn't it? The Which is great. I think, I mean, I think we were all big fans of Adam Cole at, at one point and sort of act got a little bit stale, didn't it? So to see him sort of firing on all, all cylinders, both in character, in the ring, everything, that's that's wonderful. I'll, uh, yeah, I, and again, I think as you touched on it, it also worked really well as a juxtaposition. But probably before we move on to the main event of Blood and Guts, because it, it does sit on its own. I don't know if anyone else had any any thoughts about the, the first half of the show. The wrestling should be fun part of the show. Any thoughts on Hook finally losing his winning streak? Does that affect him in any way? Do you feel a bit like his aura has dipped at all? Or do you think it was something that just needed to happen? 
Yeah, yeah, needed to happen in the right feud, not thrown away. B plus to A minus booking, all good. And a, and a fun new entrance for Jack Perry. Yeah, I mean, interestingly, I've um, it's been an absolutely wild week to me. So I've not, I've not really been much on the interweb, but um, so I don't really know what much the reaction's been to it. But I quite liked it, a bit pseudo Don Callis and very different. And it's tempting because of his Hollywood gimmick to give him a really obvious like Hollywood theme. But I quite yeah. like them being a little bit subversive, though I, I'm I'm not expecting everyone else to feel the same. Shaf, what was your uh, thoughts on hour one of the show? Yeah, I think uh, Brum has pretty much hit the nail on the head. Uh, I think the Adam Cole and MJF stuff. I think it's interesting because if it was on a WWE show, I would probably hate it. And like I, you know, I can be completely open and honest about that. But it feels like it's so well done, and it's such a contrast to you know just the constant wrestling on the show that it actually feels like a nice sort of palate cleanser almost. And I, I do quite enjoy uh, what they've been doing. It's been fun. It's been nice to have something different with the bigger gaps between the pay per views. Then they have longer to flesh these stories out and to do these experimental type builds. I'm a little bit conflicted because there is a part of me that is like, oh no, wrestling needs to be a certain way. But I have enjoyed it and I'm sure that they are going to have a change of mood as things move on. And I think that what was really interesting is on Collision, obviously FTR uh, cut a promo or gave an interview and said that they hate, you know, they hate what Adam Cole and uh, MJF are doing and they're messing around and they're not taking the title seriously, which is completely valid. And hopefully, you know, Cole and MJF are going to get smashed. Um, and that's going to lead, you know, to another branch of the story. But I think overall, it's been particularly entertaining. Uh, it's something that I've enjoyed. And as I say, it's been a bit of a palate cleanser and something a little bit different to what we see uh, weekly on AEW TV. Can it's I been... just throw in, sorry, Ross, I that's just right. wanted to throw in, because I'm not as regular an AEW watcher as Shafi and, and Brum and you, you guys even. I did watch Blood and Guts and the MJF Adam Cole stuff is just glorious. I love it. And maybe that's coming from someone who's not as watching AEW as regularly, uh, that I'm loving this kind of shift change in tone. But the moment when MJF did the dive and Adam Cole was just begging him on to do it, it was just the most heartwarming, glorious moment. Maybe the individual spot of the year for me. Like just watching this guy that we've seen be an utter dick the whole year kind of letting his guard down and doing a move that is so out of his comfort zone just to please Adam Cole and get him on side and and win this recognition. I think it's a way better story than I thought it was setting up for at the start, where I thought it was going to be frenemies. There was always going to be a bit of tension. And that is still there, of course. But it feels like there's a genuine bondship that has grown. And I know at the end, MJF gave him the look when he grabbed the title and all that. But the MJF character, and it leads into what you guys said on episode 99 of, MJF letting his guard down and showing more character. That was such a fantastic snapshot of what this story is. MJF doesn't want to do it. He teases it early in the match. It doesn't happen. And then it happens. And I was just like, wow, they fulfilled more than they could have done with this storyline in that one moment. Uh, that for me was the highlight of the whole blood and gut show. Yeah. What summarizes that for me is that from the get go of this storyline, the very first time that MJF invited Adam Cole into his car, you knew that he was doing it as a dickhead move. And then from then, he's been actually this pleasant, really fun, almost babyface character that you're kind of edging to be like, oh, please be this person that we can see that you could be. And then the bookend of that from the start where you knew that he was being a dick is that look that he gave Adam Cole. And everything in between, he's been this fantastic babyface. But either side of it, you can tell who he is. And I just think it's beautiful. 
But what is really interesting is that if he is the one that turns, it'll be completely justified. Because even from the start, Adam Cole has been saying to Roderick Strong, I don't care about him. I'm just doing this. He doesn't watch the show. I can talk shit about him. I can do, you know, so it will even be justified if he does, if it does go that way. Um, And what's really interesting is it's not 100% that it will. You know, it could be Cole that, that breaks it and MJF then becomes even more embattled and bitter because the one time he has let his guard down and hasn't turned on his partner first, He's the one who's betrayed. Absolutely. And, and, and what's what's interesting about that, Shaft? I think usually when, when we find ourselves talking about wrestling storylines and the feuds, rivalries, etc., is it's almost like, oh, yeah, it's quite interesting, but they've really got to nail the land in. Oh, well, I'm not sure about this yet, but let's see where it goes. I think they've done so well here that actually it doesn't really matter about the landing because all the points, all the exit points of this feud could work. So, I mean, I'm not over-egging it because there's always a chance in wrestling they do something absolutely bonkers. But I think the feud's been so good that they do have multiple options of how to land it and all of the landing points, I think, would be pretty entertaining. Massively so. Great point. So without going overboard on AEW, we can't not talk about Blood and Guts. Coman, you said that you saw the show. What was your thoughts on the Blood and Guts match? I didn't really have too many hot opinions on it, to be honest, so I won't take up much of the time. I thought it was good. I thought it really got going once the match got to the point where I knew someone could win it. And I think that's just maybe my own personal viewing thing of Blood and Guts matches. Uh, I find the start is always some good spots, but I don't really buy in until I know the match can end. Um, But it it was just really good. I'll I'll let the AEW regulars talk about it because obviously there's more storyline implications and stuff. But yeah, it was good. Before we do that, Josh, did you have a quick summary of the Blood and Guts match? Yeah, just leading off what Coman said there, I think the storyline elements of the match were more relevant than the actual match itself. I think obviously since the show's happened, we saw that kind of mix up between Claudio and, and Pat lead to the ROH title match. I think it's interesting that Don Callis kind of, when he realised that the Golden Elite were probably going to win, he kind of pulled his guy out of there. And then it was kind of left to the Blackpool Combat Club originals kind of doing their own thing. But I thought of the match itself, it was... I mean, it was pretty much as advertised, wasn't it? It was blood and guts. There was a lot of blood. And if they'd have carried on, there probably would have been some guts as well. Um, <laughs> but no, I think from a storyline aspect, I think it kind of it's a nice definitive end to this feud, which seems to have been going on quite a while when you think it probably originated from the, the Hangman Moxley match at, I think, the February pay-per-view. Yeah. And even before that, when they had the whole concussion thing and stuff. So I think it's been a, a good feud between some pretty heavyweight names in AEW but um, yeah I, I think I'm I'm okay as someone who watches AEW each show I think I'm okay with the fact that this feud has kind of reached its end point now and looking forward to seeing what both sides do going forward I think it's fantastic that it's a big blood feud match ender and it really did wrap it up Blackpool Combat Club did the Combat Club thing where win lose or draw they respect people that go into combat with them and make them better and they did the little nod and handshake thing which is great um and then moving forward i'm hoping to see Takeshita omega have a program and mox and eddie have a program hopefully both at wembley but buggers can't be choosers but to the actual match itself uh let's start with brum what was your thoughts on it and i'm rating this probably against unbelievably high expectations and it was objectively a good match and in and enjoyable I think AEW let themselves down with a few bits, especially from a production point of view. The most glaring one, which is ordering on unforgivable, was it had a really smart end to the match. 
with you to being brutalised and mocks thrown in the towel to end the match. That wasn't really caught on camera. And I didn't, until commentary were kind of highlighted, I didn't really know what was going on. I just thought that Yuta was just passed out from the choke. But I think, you know, the, the interesting bit of Mox throwing in the towel and, and all the different layers of storyline that that has was super interesting. So for them to kind of miss that, I thought, I thought wasn't great. I thought how they handled the exit was a bit clunky where they kind of had the face down and kind of sticking twos up and then going to exit. And then about 30 seconds later, you saw him sort of still trudging out of the ring like a, a grumpy man leaving a pub. And I mean, which is probably quite accurate, but that just didn't really land. Yeah, there seemed to be, and I know in the middle of the match with everything going on, it is a really hard match to cover, but there did seem to be a few missed big spots. I also thought, and don't get me wrong, I love Ibushi as much as the next man, maybe more, but he was two or three paces off, I thought, in this match. Looked clunky. I cannot believe I'm saying this as a man that, even out of shape, looks 408 times better than me. But by his standards, yeah, looked like he had a not only a bit of ring rust, but, but potentially carrying a bit and wasn't up to, to full fitness. So, yeah, it, it was obviously a great match because it's blood and guts and the people involved are all really talented. But based on the standard of the people in it, yeah, I don't think it landed as well as it could. And it was all from stuff that could be fixable. That's even before you get into the debate of, do you really want your faces looking like joyful bullies beating the shit out of someone what was essentially five on one at the end? I'm not against that because of the history against it, but it was, yeah, it was a choice. But that wouldn't be the one thing I was focusing on. It was more the a lot of the production drops and Abushi not quite being Abushi. But I am well aware that's me being violently picky. Something that um, 90s mentioned when we were watching it live was potentially the introduction of glass so early in the match. And then the glass, whilst obviously looking savage, when you can just kind of carry on for another 45 minutes after it, he made the point of like, it does kind of take away your, uh, what's the word, like, where you're like, well, you know what you're watching, you know, like that maybe could have been introduced a bit later in the match. Yeah, I think think that's a good point as well. So let's end the AEW chat with you, Shaf, someone that's obviously a massive AEW fan. You mentioned previously when uh, you came on, previous to the call, that you forgot that Blood and Guts was even last week. So I'm assuming that that you're not going to wax the record about this one quite as you did uh, for Forbidden Door. Yeah, to be honest, I think that Brum pretty much said everything of importance. It, It was a good match, you know, and even some of the criticisms that I've seen about it, I wasn't necessarily against. I saw some people didn't like that they went on the cage and didn't do a big spot. I, For me personally, that spot of uh, Yuta being very confident, climbing up the cage, then having a you know a near-death experience and thinking, oh, nah, I don't fancy this, and climbing back down made perfect sense to me. So I, I didn't mind that. I quite liked it. But yeah, with the people involved in this match and the, the feud that they've been building, even though it was a very good match, it could have been better, I think. Or at least my expectations were higher. So yeah, I, is the feud done? Because they did the thing with Pack and Takeshita walking out, did they really beat the, the Blackpool Combat Club? I don't know. I don't know if it is a feud ender or not. And I think there is precedence for it not being a feud ender, because correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they did Blood and Guts before and then ended up doing a stadium stampede like at the next pay-per-view or something to continue a feud. Um, that seems to ring a bell or some, something along those lines. Um, so we'll see where it goes. Speaking of Takeshita, I cannot stand uh, his entrance music, uh, Don Callis's entrance. Like I understand what they're going for, but it, 
no, it doesn't land for me. I just find it really annoying. It sounds like the TV's broken or something. Yeah, we'll see what happens. You know, Collision was very good. Um, we won't go on about it, but Collision was very good, you know. So AEW are generally still firing on all cylinders. Just a quick question on that then. Rank the free shows in your favoritism right now. Um, I don't watch Rampage, to be honest. Okay, so that's C. Uh, that's first. <laughs> um, so generally, I think they're so different, you know. It's difficult to choose. I think that Dynamite is still the A show, but Collision's been really interesting with what they're doing with the dynamics around punk and how that's now affected the dynamics around Stark and, you know, whether that's going to go well for them because people seem to be really up for cheering uh, Ricky Starks, but they kind of seem to be putting him into heelish spots. So it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. The FTR stuff has been really good. Obviously, them in the Bullet Club Gold was brilliant the week before. So Yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I can't really choose between them. I mean, I would probably pick Dynamite. Still is my my favourite show, but Collision has been very good. You're a very loyal man, my friend. <laughs> Down south slanging, rolling with these hustlers. Try and get rid of all you haters and you busted. Down south slanging, rolling with these hustlers. Talking of loyal, someone who stuck with NXT through the NXT 2.0 period was Josh. Although he had a bit of a wobble. <laughs> <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> You're now fully back on board with NXT, and we've been speaking about it offline. And did you want to have a little wax lyrical about why you're enjoying NXT right now? It's just like, it's just such a laugh, ain't it? Yeah, you have to kind of give them a little in the ring-wise, because it is developmental after all. If you go in watching the show with that, like, okay, these aren't the best wrestlers in the world in terms of in-ring, just go in and enjoy it. You'll have a great time. There is great stuff up and down the card. I think alongside Impact, I didn't ever think that I think HBK was the best booker of women's wrestling on American television, which I think he is. There's three or four women's storylines at any one time. The champions and all the top level matches are always pretty good. And pretty much every week without fail on NXT TV, there's an absolute banger of a match as well. Absolutely. And your particular favourite right now is Thea Hale, someone that had her title shot on TV and got the visual tap, something that is mentioned an awful lot in the storyline against Tiffany Stratton. And through the help of Drew Gulak, she's learned how to use the Kimura lock, even to the point (laughs) where she put it on Drew a few weeks ago, which is great fun. She now seems to be one of the most over wrestlers on that product. And at, what, 19 years old, the world is at her feet. And someone that you've been channeling for the last year or so, you must be super happy with her current progress. I just think she's great. The character being so over the top happy, I think it's just so refreshing in 2023. She's just nuts, isn't she? She's an absolute lunatic, but in the best possible way. And given how young she is, I think her wrestling has definitely improved in the last year or so, given you know, the amount of matches and she's gradually moving up the card to the point now where she's in a title match on a pay-per-view where there's every chance she might win. She might not. Yeah, I just think it shows tremendous progression and say what you want about the Performance Center NXT. The fact that they can develop these people from pretty much scratch. I know she's done other stuff elsewhere. I think it's just great testament to it. And I think the fact that it was quite pleasing for me that SmackDown was in Orlando the other night and they kind of gave a shout out to a few of the NXT people in the audience and stuff. And if any of one of those few who they showed on TV in the crowd were to go to SmackDown or Raw tomorrow, I don't think they'd look too out of place. I mean, I think that just says it all about where NXT is now compared to where it was maybe a year or so ago. 
I just think it's just great talent up and down the card. And I think Thea Hale is right up there. Absolutely. And her opponent on the weekend is Tiffany Stratton. And a bit a viral moment for her where she was doing the dark match at the SmackDown taping. And she wrestled as a babyface, something that I've never seen her do previously. And she looked absolutely fantastic in that role. So someone that's well-rounded as well. Someone to look out for in the future. As you say, the women in NXT are absolutely killing it. And they've got plenty of wrestlers that are on the shelf at the moment that aren't being used too much. But when it's their time, they're equally as good. So, yeah, fantastic revolving door of female wrestlers over there. Con Man, are you still watching NXT? I haven't watched the last few weeks, but I did want to give a shout out to that Bron Breaker, Ilya Dragunov match from a couple of weeks ago because it might be the best match I've watched on NXT TV, taking away their PLEs, maybe since they went to 2.0. It was a brilliant match and I just thought it deserved a shout out. That spear off the top, eh? It was a brilliant match. Obviously, Dragonov's in it and Breaker can, did his part, but and it did really well on Cage Match, which is a sign that even the hardcore <laughs> liked it. Yeah, yeah. A crossover hit for NXT. Well done, HBK. Going back to you then, Matt, talking about shows where you get to see the future stars. You went back to Boreham Wood this weekend to the library that might not be a library, according to Warren Banks. And you saw yourself a show that featured some pretty big wrestlers in British wrestling right now. Yeah, it was about a 200 and something attendance, quite low 200s, like let's say 210, 220. It was a sellout and it's in a library. I'm still going to feud with Warren Banks over the fact that it is a library. Um, (laughs) And do you know what? It was the best Ignite show I think I've been to since they started in early 2021, I think it was, or maybe late 2020. And Brum was at that one, so he might remember better than me. Top to bottom with the added names from BritRest that they brought in. They brought in a guy called Scotty Rourke, who I don't know, from Grimsby. He had a great opening match against the local hero Nino, where he worked heel. Really good. They had a women's match where Luna Blue won, and then they set up a match for the next show with a wrestler called Kira Kamira, which is going to be known as qualifications. And again, really good stuff there. Charles Crowley came in and put she- over one of the local guys, Mark True. Sorry to interject, Matt. That Aluna Blue, I think she's the one that seems to be quite high on all their marketing materials. Is she quite over there? Or? She's super over in Ignite, yeah. She's really, really popular, especially with the kids and stuff. She's pure yeah. white meat baby face. And they've done it with the men's wrestlers there. And Ignite do do intergender stuff, so there's not a women's title. So I'm hoping that she can get through this no DQ match against the monster, Kira Kramer, who's a much bigger broad than her and like will beat the shit out of her. And then she'll come through that. And then I'm hoping she'll move into the other division and win the actual title maybe one day. Like she, She's really popular with kids. And like I say, she's on posters for a reason. She's really connected with the crowd. Yeah, Crowley put over a guy called Mark True who wrestles there a lot, which is really good to see. Crowley, a much bigger name, obviously, but willing to come into a promotion like that and do the job. Michael Oku came in and wrestled. I mean, it's mad to have the Rev Pro champion wrestling in a fucking library, but still <laughs> exceptional. He started the match in a more butlin style, all jokes, getting the kids involved. And then it just, the last 10 minutes, him and Taylor James, probably for Taylor James's sake, maybe, they just went at it and had a bang up. And it was fantastic. And by that point, the kids are all in. They're enjoying the big moves. But the main event, I will say now, Corey McRae as champion, defending against Connor Mills and Smashing Mike, who's another one of the guys that comes regularly to the library. That could have gone on, and I mean, this is high praise, could have gone on any card in the UK, a Progress or a Rev Pro show, and people would have been talking about it as a great match. It was stiff as balls. <laughs> Freezing. Smashing Mike got the shit kicked out of him by Connor Mills. I didn't know because I've not been watching much Rev Pro. I didn't know Connor Mills was a killer now. And he just beats the shit out of people. He went ham on Smashing Mike in particular. Now, Corey McRae obviously has been champion there. I've seen a lot of him. He can kick. He can go. He can be stiff. 
Connor Mills took it to another level. He was the standout in this match. It was almost uncomfortable watching how stiff he was being. Uh, phrasing. And I don't mean that in an unprofessional way. Like when Smashing Mike would do moves back, he was selling and all that stuff. But it blew me away. It's the best match I've seen in the three years of that promotion. It was worthy of all the praise I'm giving it, I promise you. They'll probably put it on YouTube and I'll let you guys see it in the group chat. And if you guys enjoy it, then fair play. It was honestly such a good match. And I'm so excited about my local promotion. They're a smaller promotion. There's probably so many promotions up and down the country doing the same level of stuff. But to go to that show and be justified with a main event that kids loved and adults got so much out of as well. Ignite deserve all the praise from me and I'm giving it to him. That main event on a pedestal for me. Brilliant. Have they started to announce wrestlers for the next show? Are they going to keep with the higher end British guys coming in to help out their roster, do you think? Yeah, so Gene Money's at the next show. So that's another good name. Gene Money used to run the promotion previous in Morrenwood. Right. In like 2019, 2020, before he blew up a bit more and couldn't really focus on it. So Gene Money's coming back. I think there's going to be a more of a sprinkling. I think this was more of like a big summer show where they got a few yeah. names in. Do you think they'll try and do McRae Mills singles down the line? Because they seem to be a really good pairing. It would have been a great pairing. They kind of both worked here in the match. So their interactions were less. It was more of a beating the hell out of Smashing Mike. And then they take it in turns to beat the hell out of Smashing Mike, who took his licks. But yeah, I'd love Connor Mills to come back and wrestle Corey. I'm the biggest Corey fan in the world, I think, outside of maybe one guy in that library who was going mental for him. He's absolutely fantastic, isn't he, Corey McRae? He was the, the standout guy when I went to see it. He's worked ring crew, hasn't he, for like progress. Yeah, I hope progress. he starts getting a run there because he's, a, yeah, I'm a massive fan. Maybe not to Matt and miscellaneous Boromwood <laughs> Library, man. But, yeah, that's like, the problem. That's great. I kind of want him to stay here as champion forever because he's such money for this promotion. <laughs> he's so good, but he deserves a bigger platform to perform on. But he will get snapped up. I've got no doubt that within a year, maybe two, he's going to be working much bigger promotions. Obviously, when I interviewed Bully, I asked him and he had nothing but high praise for Corey. Corey's got it all. And with Chris Ridgeway working away a lot and Corey McRae is the most similar. I know we've done that before on this podcast. It hasn't worked well where we've said people are similar to other people. But <laughs> Corey McRae is the most, the most similar to Ridgeway, I guess, out there. And Ridgeway's moving on to maybe some other things abroad. I think Corey McRae can definitely fill the Chris Ridgeway-shaped hole in Brit Rest. That's how high I believe in him. I think he's top, top level. And I'm hoping he goes that way. But at the same time, I want to watch him every couple of months in Ignite. So it's catch-22. But yeah, you're right, Brum. He's unreal. Having a promotion called Ignite in a building full of flammable books seems to be kind of <laughs> taking fate. Let's hope that Blue Cane doesn't show up. <laughs> One last question on Ignite, Conman. Crowley, did the family-friendly show have a family-friendly version of Twat to sing on on his song? Oh, yes, it did. It wasn't a short word. Was it Pratt? No, it wasn't. It was, oh, my God. If Harrison Love and John it. listen to this, they're going to absolutely hate me. It was another word with T, but it was another syllable. And then... Was it uh, twit? <laughs> no, it was nothing even that close. It was much Turn it. away. But yeah. Turn he, he got it. away with it. But he did get away with it, yeah. Love it. So where can people go if they want to go and see some wrestling in Boreham Woods Premium Library? Lads, I always throw it out there. The next show, September 17th. If you want to come to the library, we'll get a book out. We'll watch a show. It's going to be great. Fantastic stuff. Cheers for the update on Ignite Pro Wrestling. We had Raw last night. I quickly wanted to mention two things. They've really ramped up the Seth and Finn rivalry from where it was in the Money in the Bank match that we were lucky enough to go and see live. 
if Finn wins this match, we're going to have a dominant faction with added intrigue with Priest and Balor. Priest with the briefcase and Balor with the belt. And if Seth wins, we potentially get some new members added to the faction with the likes of JD and Lyra Valkyrie have been linked with the faction recently. And then you're probably going to get Finn Balor starting to lose his mind a bit because he's lost his seven-year itch match against his seven-year bitch, which he mentioned this Raw episode. And also, of course, it pays off on the original story from SummerSlam 2016, I think it was. So yeah, fantastic storytelling, loving it, and really looking forward to that SummerSlam match. And the second one, the Intercontinental feud at the moment is between Drew McIntyre and Gunter, and it really does feel like a main event feud. It doesn't feel like an undercard Intercontinental feud. They've booked it really well, where both wrestlers have shown that they can kick the other one's ass, and it's going to be a power struggle. And you're not entirely sure if Gunter is going to come away with the win, which is an amazing feat when you think that he's undefeated for the last thousand years. So I'm really looking forward to that match. We've already seen this match kind of with the WrestleMania banger, which featured Sheamus as well. Sometimes triple threat matches get convoluted. That one worked. But if you just get a straight up singles match with these two wrestlers, give them time, give them more time than they gave Riddle at the O2. I think this will be an absolute banger. So that is what the nerds are watching, and it's time to not have any more fun. Wrestling should not be fun. Wrestling should not be humble. It's time to find out the pet peeves of wrestling in Wrestling Room 101. This is our round table. So, before the show, I've asked the distinguished guests here on the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast to come up with two pet peeves in wrestling that they want thrown down into the cesspit and taken away from wrestling culture for the rest of time. And let's see if we all agree that they should be sent into Room 101 or if some of us want to keep these pet peeves of ours. So let's start off with someone that has come up with no less than 10 pet peeves for pro wrestling. That is Matt Brummett. Brum, did you want to reel off the eight that we're going to just quickly vote for first, or do you want to save them for later and kick off with a biggie? Well, what I'll do is I'll get those out because a few of them are controversial, and then I'll end on one that isn't as controversial, and then people can think I'm less of a monster. Right, so I'll go through my quick ones. Number one, wrestling conventions. Well, all conventions. It's just weird, isn't it? Like, there's no wrestling there. People just go to shake hands and get things signed and paying a lot of money for it think it's a bit strange. Okay. My argument for this would be, this is a way for wrestlers to make money after they can't wrestle anymore. So you're taking that away a little bit from them. So that would be my negative towards that. What about you, Conman? I was thinking of it not from the wrestler's point of view, but I don't know. I can see Brum's point in a way, but I like the idea of going to go and meet D'Lo Brown and get me a little photo. I know some people in this Guilty. group did that recently. Although, <laughs> and it wasn't a convention. But I've done it as well. That wasn't me throwing shots. I've done it as well. I got my photo with D'Lo Brown. I love the guy. If I see something on and I, I like the wrestler enough, I'll go and get me a little photo with him. So I respectfully disagree, Brum. Shafi, are you going to be the person to stop Brum's first one from going into Room 101? Yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> we'll get on to mine. But yeah, if you don't like it, just don't go, isn't it? It's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, you're monster. <laughs> Let's see your next one, Brum. Right, this is continuing with me just being a dick. Cosplay, including of people bringing fake belts to wrestling. <laughs> when I got to the football, I don't turn up with a papier-mâché LDV Vans. 
Well, no, hang on. No, but I'm you wear a football that. shirt. I'm not having that, Brom. One of the absolute staples of non-league versus Premier League FA Cup games is some kid with a silver tin foil. <laughs> the FA tin, Cup yeah, the tin foil. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> we're not bad in that from the FA Cup. The belt thing's different to that. I'm not. Can, I, can, I, can I just point out that in my bedroom right now, I have a a replica wrestling belt, b an Undertaker Halloween outfit, and c a model replica World Cup. And for that reason, oh. I'm putting that into room. <laughs> 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 Uh, Sam, why do you stand on it? If you bring a belt to a wrestling show, you should have to defend it under 24-7 rules. Oh, I would never bring it to a show because I would lose it and I would happily have to give it up. So, yeah, I I totally agree with that sentiment. If average wrestling fan hygiene wasn't so poor, I would start schoolboying people with uh, wrestling belts (laughs) at wrestling shows. My general point is I think the belts are fine to collect. I think I can understand why people like them. Taking them to a show might be where I'd agree with yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. So I think that's 3-1. And Bram, that's your first one into room 101. Oh, great. I didn't think I was going to get this. In. My next one was stands. You can have this as a bit of a combo because the next one after that is weird Joshy fans. So <laughs> I like Josh. I like Yoshi, Joshi, however you pronounce it, Japanese women's wrestling. Because the wrestling's fucking brilliant, but I'd never ever tell anyone that I'm into it, apart from doing like the odd match recommendation on here, because most of the people that are into it are fucking weird. So I partly want them in because they're weird, but I also partly want them in because I can't tell anyone about it because I don't want to be connected with these weird basement doors. Doesn't that describe all wrestling fans? <laughs> <laughs> so where do you stand on Stan slash Joshy fans, Josh? Uh, so I'm gonna try and say <laughs> jo- also, also my third one is Josh. Can we call them Joshi fans. wrestling fans, please? Can we call them Joshi wrestling fans? <laughs> uh, to try and save our friend Phil some time, I'm just gonna say, Phil, skip the last maybe two minutes or so and just say, yeah, this is going in. <laughs> yeah, stands need to go in the bin. Yeah, bin a stand. I'll bin a stand. What's um, next, bro? Non-consensual running and movement in wrestling, but particularly like Irish whips, which just does my fucking head in where someone's actively running when they're Irish. It's like that's like there's a lot of stuff that I can park my disbelief. But when someone like grabs someone and throws them and then they actively just start focused running towards the ropes and then they're not even like defending themselves when they come off the other side, it's just completely counter to all human movement. And I hate it. From are you a fan of William Regal by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> he's he's made that point quite famously, right? Or am I just being a dick? Oh, did he? I th- I'm pretty sure. And again, because I know you're a big Regal fan, so I thought there might have been the crossover. Maybe it's yeah. subconscious. I mean, right? maybe it's pervaded my consciousness through him. But yeah, I'm, I want. But, but, but he made me agree. So yeah, I'm going to say yeah. <laughs> Shafi, where are you on this one? So in my head, when you get Irish wit. It's not that you can't stop running. It's that you believe you have the opportunity to mount an offensive manoeuvre so you continue running. Because when you come off the rope, you could be striking the opponent with a move rather than taking one. So it's potentially setting you up for an attack. And that's why the ones where people get Irish whipped and then just get hit on the way back where they don't do anything. I just don't understand. Sure. I'm going to say for this one, there's a little bit of a grey area. So I'm going to say no for this one. 
but I would have accepted if you would have gone for the one where someone just stands around waiting for someone to dive on them. That needs to go. Josh? On this, I don't know if it's similar or not, but in the recent encounter with Jay and Roman, where we saw the near fall when I think Jay hit a super kick, Roman went into the ropes and came back into the spear. I think towards the end of that tag match, actually, I thought it was a really good near fall. And it was kind of a similar sort of spot. And I know we've seen that a few times, but I think you can say this about a lot of wrestling. I think when it makes sense, it works. And when it's just kind of done for the sake of it, like you're saying, Ross, where someone's clearly waiting there to be dived on. Yeah, I think it's difficult to say, really. I think it depends on the circumstance. If it makes sense, it makes sense. And it doesn't, it doesn't. So is that a yes or a no? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I'm not sure, <laughs> but I'll go with yeah. Okay, so that's 2-2. Two, two. And as the host, I'm the person that can choose. So I'm going to stick with my shout there, bro. I'm sorry, man. That was not getting in. No, okay, that's fine. Next one, a quick one. We want tables, chance. Yes. Yeah. Consensus choice, that one, I think. Dom says yes from Amsterdam. I saw that, yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to bother getting into the controversy of this one. I'm not as hard a yes as everyone else, but I'm going to just agree because I don't want confrontation. <laughs> it's like you don't understand Room 101, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Um, What's next, Bram? Jazz Hands Wrestling Production. Just too much fanciness. I would honestly pay extra money to just have a hard cam feed. <laughs> just distracting wrestling production. It's not just the camera cuts. It's everything that goes with it. All the stuff that takes you out of the action. Does my fucking head in. I just want to watch wrestling and watch good wrestlers wrestling. Bram's a big hater of Kevin Dunn's WWE production. I'm just a big hater of Kevin Dunn, per se. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was one of our earliest roundtables. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. And- Sharpie, where do you stand on jazz hands? <laughs> on Kevin Dunn? Yeah, fuck Kevin Dunn. <laughs> <laughs> Josh? Yeah, fuck Kevin Dunn. Matt? Right the question isn't fuck Kevin Dunn, though, is it? <laughs> <laughs> the question was jazz hands, and I'm all for jazz hands, so I'm not letting that go in. You want to snog him or marry him then? Hang on. I When I was trying to be a cool wrestling fan, I sat through hard cam, young lions wrestling each other. This would have been the class of, like, who was that huge guy? Anyway, he was oh, like yeah. Vampire Brian Cage. Oh, yeah. Did he guy. pass away? Or did I make yeah, that Yeah, him, that guy. I watched that tournament that he won, right? It was fucking dreadful because it was only one camera angle. So <laughs> I want some jazz hands. I think Brum's right, but I disagree. <laughs> jazz hands are not having it. We're not going back to ECW hard cams, Brum, all right? <laughs> but it gets in. Jazz hands are in. Right, this is my final one before I go to my proper two, okay? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, when wrestlers or refs give away two counts, so yeah. thinking about the eyes and everything like yeah. that, where you know, and it just takes you out of a match. Come on, Red you shoes. professionals, lads. I don't mind when I see it when I go to, like, independent wrestling because they're in training, but professional wrestlers should be able to close their eyes for a three count and kick out at two. So I might just jump in there, Brom, because it ties in with one of mine, actually which is, I feel like probably AEW has been the worst for this as much as I love it. And that is this pursuit of the perfect near fall. Yeah. It's got to the stage that people are actually not kicking out before three and the referees having to stop the count because the match isn't supposed to end. And it seems to happen in AEW maybe once a month, once every two months where they try so hard to get that perfect 2.99. And what actually happens is in reality, their shoulders are not up at three. And it's particularly bad sometimes in, say, like tag or multi-man matches where someone's pinned and the refs may be at two and one of the partners is still climbing the ropes and they have to wait for him to jump on top to break up the count when realistically it would have made a three count. So non-kicked out of three counts or near falls was one of mine. Josh? 
No, I totally agree with what's just been said by Shafi and Matt there. Absolutely. I think anyone who wants to watch a near-perfect near-falls should watch any big Roman Reigns match from the last year or so. I think he's an absolute master of it. Roman does the eye job at times, though, still. He is <laughs> yeah, not good. To, to by fair, the way, that's they... not a sexual thing. He does. He's a man. So, but... Yeah, R- Roman's timing's really good, but yeah. he does do the eyes a bit. Yeah, I agree with that. Cool, man. Generally, I agree. I also think that this is a production issue with the eyes, maybe. The production is showing the eyes. Are you saying fuck Kevin Dunn? I'm saying fuck Kevin Dunn. (laughs) (laughs) He's on it twice. (laughs) (laughs) So, near four spoilers are in room 101. Right, right. So now I'll get to my proper ones. So this one might be a little bit controversial, but people who think that 21st century wrestling themes are actually good songs... Oh, Josh is going to be up against... I don't... Look, I'm not saying they're not good themes. I'm not saying they're not good entrance music. What I'm saying is they're not good songs. People are going about Metalingus or, like, the Batista one or, like, Judas in my mind or any of that fucking atrocious Jeff Hardy shit. You wouldn't listen to that at home on your own, would you? (laughs) Well, isn't the thing that, like, you're enjoying it more because it's connected to something you enjoy rather than... Again, I agree, they're not objectively good songs, most of them. But the feeling you get from reminding yourself that I love this thing and that's why I love the song. Or am I just talking batshit? I don't know. So before Josh has a meltdown on this one, I'm going to say yes to this because of the way that you worded it. And the reason that I'm saying yes is that we've got a wrestling should be fun music group and we've got songs that are based around wrestling, whether it be Limp Biscuit or what's that band? that Other Mountain Goats, for example. But we don't have any, like, Edge's theme, as you say. Hmm. So I think that that's proof. <clears throat> Action Bronson. But that's an original song chosen by a wrestler. Oh, OK. Yeah. So that doesn't count. Yeah, because you've got, like, fucking Zack Sabre Jr. with Idols yeah, and stuff yeah, like okay. that. They're, yeah, they're bangers because they're not written for that. Like, you, can't, right. you can't just write out all the ECW songs or anything like that. My last Hail Mary here is Gorillas of Destiny's theme. I'd listen to that on a little stroll. <laughs> that's my last one. <laughs> You can have an asterisk next to that one. <laughs> uh, otherwise, I'll probably agree. So that's two yeses. Before we go to Shaft, let's hear Josh try and talk his way out of this one. So, yeah, I'm obviously going to disagree. However, I will say that whatever the Apple equivalent of the Spotify Wrapped is that it does on your playlist at the end of each year, majority of mine were like wrestling theme songs. However, I will say of those, the majority of those were less theme songs and more songs that were wrestlers themes. That makes sense. And I also will agree with, I can't remember who said it, but most wrestling theme songs, they don't have too many lyrics to them. They're kind of the same verse, just repeated with a beat in the middle. Going with what you said, the reason I listen to wrestling theme songs so much is because it does remind me of great moments, great matches, great times, whatever. And yeah, I just like them, basically. (laughs) Fair. So let's go to Shafi as the deciding vote. You're on mute. Which is what should happen to all wrestling themes. Hey! <laughs> what a tee up. Rubbish. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. I didn't think I'd get that in. I'm over the moon with that. I needed the clarification that it wasn't wrestling themes, it was original wrestling themes. Yeah. To be fair, I could more understand that, yeah. So now that we've heard nine from Brum... <laughs> <laughs> Let's leave Brum's final one to the main event. Okay, then. That's fair. And let's move across to Josh after we've upset him with the previous round. Yeah, so I've only got a couple, luckily. 
I don't think I have too many complaints about either. My first one is particularly on Twitter and as someone who watches both companies is the AEW-WWE fan divide slash war. And what I mean by that is people who watch one promotion and criticize something on another promotion simply because it is on that company. I just don't think there's no need for it. Watch what you like and don't watch what you don't like. Perfectly said. Agree. Easy, easy, easy pick for me. Shaf? Yeah, so the first thing on my list is tribalism. Yeah. It's stupid. There's so much good wrestling. Like, you've never had so much access to watch all different types of wrestling. And the idea that people spend their time complaining about other shows, or it's just so stupid to me. Like, I don't get it. I don't really use Twitter. Genuinely, the only account I follow is the Wrestling Should Be Fun one, because it's just an absolute cesspool. I can't stand tribalism. Just if you don't like something, don't watch it. Talk to people about the stuff you love. Don't talk to people about the stuff you hate, which is generally the sort of idea of wrestling should be fun with this being a notable exception. Um, (laughs) I mean, even though I only see snippets of it because I don't follow any of it, even some of the so-called Brit Rest journalists these days, you know, it almost feels like they try to do more to destroy British wrestling than to build it up. I just, I don't get it at all. I appreciate that bad news sells as such, but... Apart just, from bad just news, go, ground. Just go and do, <laughs> just go and do something else with your life, you know, rather than pretending to be a Twitter journalist who shits on Brit wrestling. Yes, 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 one thousand times, yes. Come man. Yeah, I won't have any other different opinion. Agreed. Promit. I don't acknowledge my tribalism, Chief. So um, <laughs> yeah, agree. Get it in the bin. Fantastic. So that's the first two from Josh and Shaft. So we move on to Con Man. Who famously told you before this podcast, I don't have any. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'll explain why I don't have any. It's because I genuinely couldn't think of anything that I hate enough to even put in for a jokey thing. Like um, referees. referees. <laughs> yeah, should we do something like that? I should probably do that. Every one of them. Yeah, it does annoy me live. No, I, I genuinely don't have anything. I don't disagree with any of the shouts for it. Like, as in, I think they're fair points to raise all the shouts, but no, I don't have anything, unfortunately. I, I just wanted to come on as a little fun judge. Fair. Now you're the ref. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've become what I hated. <laughs> a true villain arc. Okay, so let's move to someone who does have one. <laughs> Sorry, come man, I've completely forgot. Josh. So I could have thought of a few for this. And sadly, we don't have our wrestling fan chant connoisseur on this week. Shout out to Mike. Um, but I've focused on this is awesome chants because I feel like wrestling chants are sometimes really great. I think when they're organic and they're funny, there was quite a few at Money in the Bank, which were hilarious. My favourite one from attending shows live is JCH's Youngest of the Nights chant for Ricky Knight Jr. Fucking hilarious, organic, fun. But I feel like this is awesome chance and I feel like they've been so integrated into particularly WWE TV. It kind of lessens stuff that actually is awesome. And similar to that is the You Deserve It ones as well. So maybe I'll categorise this as unnecessary fan chance, I think. Where do you sound? What? 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 <laughs> oh, God. The creme de la creme of unnecessary chance. On that one, Brum. All the examples you've given, Josh, I'm really on board with. As a poser, what do we think of the Fight Forever chant? Yeah, that was another I was going to say, to be fair. It's an interesting one, that. And a little bit more forgiving of it when it's a genuine... Think about an old-school genuine indie banger and it's gone, like, half an hour and it's amazing. And both guys have put a lot of effort in. Because I I usually prefer partisan chanting. Chant for the good guy, boo the bad guy, be creative around it, all good. So basically, non-rivalry-based chanting I'm against. Apart from, back in the day, I didn't mind the old Fight Forever chant. 
but I'll take it as a sacrifice to get rid of all the other ones to put it in the bin. Nice. So I'm putting it in the bin, but I've got Creed, <laughs> my sacrifice, playing in the background. <laughs> Come on, I completely understand the point made, and I don't necessarily disagree with it, but I also think, I feel like those chants do help fill in the atmosphere at wrestling shows as much as they're generic, and I'm worried that if we get rid of them, we're going to get even worse rubbish. So <laughs> I'm actually going to, for the greater good of atmosphere... And I might be wrong, and maybe better chance would emerge if they were all banned. I'm actually going to say that they, these chants generally should stay. I think the Spike Forever one with Brum, I'm agreeing, it's a term of endearment. I think sometimes people do them as a kind of, oh, look how great I am that I'm at this show. Let's chant how great it is. I get that. But I do think that they're good for the atmosphere generally. I'm going to I'm gonna not put it in, but not necessarily wholeheartedly the screen. It's not going. Do you so think no. this is awesome? started because there was like the ecw chant for example this is progress chant for example you can't really chant wwe well this is awesome proceed to wwe was it tna right that was the main place for this is awesome Chaff, i'm looking to you i thought it was I, tna I, that, that first using this is awesome i would have thought it was an indie chant probably around yeah. the turn of the millennium i've definitely heard tna chants but i've never heard wwe <laughs> Apart from when Kozlov did it. <laughs> That's a Kozlov chant, yeah. <laughs> I've never had a Kozlov chant either, I'll be honest. What, what fills the gap? Like, as in, say all these chants go, which do make up in most mainstream wrestling, like, let's say be 20, 25% of the chant, like, when the crowds learn. Like, do we just have Japanese crowds where everyone's just going crazy? Like, what, what fills that gaps? Like, because there will still be some enchanting because people yeah. want to chant. And that's my worry is like, yeah, I get why they've become like cliches and we're all annoyed with them because we watch so much wrestling. But what fills the gap? Like just sounding cleverer. Do we want every chance to be clever? Is that the main point? Wrestler specific ones would be nice. So rather than fight forever, just like a dueling chant of each of the names. Yeah, but actually, to be fair, if the answer to this. I know is... what you're going to say. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is actually, this actually should be in fucking room 101. So we might need to put this in separately. But first name, first name, first name, <laughs> fucking surname. If that's the answer, <laughs> that's going in the bin. Yeah, I'll, I'll actually get rid of my original vote, my original one to go in and just put that in, to be honest. <laughs> Happily. Okay, so let's re elect and voting on first name, first name, <laughs> last name, Bromit. I think that's definitely in, yeah. Come on, man. Yeah, it's going in. Chaff? It's pretty bad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. You can't like imagine being at football and just be like, "Where's, where's, where's fucking Brown?" Like, just... <laughs> <laughs> right, actually, now I was going to suggest that the next time that that's sung at a British indie, that we just chant back first name, first name, first name, fucking surname to try and stop it. But I'm now I now didn't really want us to chant "Where's, Where's, Where's fucking Brown" every time someone does it. I reckon that Alex Ferguson probably said that a few times. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds like Graham Taylor talking to Carlton Palmer. <laughs> okay, so it's in. Josh, <laughs> two for two. Happy days, Shuff. mate. Shuffie, can you match him? So mine is more of a concept. It is old school brum, this. It's... I think this is going to be a pyramid scheme. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a pyramid, it's a reverse funnel. Um, 
it's just about the idea of wrestling being a competition. So I think that wrestling should be a competition and wins and losses should matter. And any time that wins and losses are treated as not mattering, I don't enjoy. I know that that probably goes against everything that Russo has ever said about wrestling, uh, but I just can't stand that style. I think on the last AEW pay-per-view before Forbidden Door, Cole and Jericho had a match and uh, Adam Cole won. And before the end of the pay-per-view, they'd already announced a rematch. And like it just the the win was completely and I, I, that's a a bit of a regular complaint with Jericho anyway that people beat him and then it doesn't matter because they're already on to the next match. Like I got really into TNA about two thousand and five, um, looking for an alternative to Cena era WWE. But one thing they were really bad at, and it possibly was the Russo influence, is that they would have a feud and the match would end. Someone would win. They'd climb to like the second rope. And instantly it would cut to the backstage and they would be on to the next segment. They never like gave, apart from if it was maybe the main event, they never gave even two seconds to show the celebration because they were so interested in moving on to the next thing, which meant that ultimately the whole struggle for the previous month didn't matter at all. It didn't matter that someone had won because it didn't have a, even a second to breathe. So for me, wrestling, win and losses do matter. I know that AEW have moved away from their ranking system. And I quite like the idea. Like, I don't need it to be rigid. I don't need it to be perfect. But the idea that people were picking up wins on Dark or Elevation, and that was then building them towards maybe a, a lower title shot, I quite like that's logical, you know, to me. I'm not saying I want the ranking system back, but just the idea that people put together a win streak. And ultimately, it's a wrestling show. There's going to be wrestling matches on it. If you're telling me that the matches don't matter, then what is the point in watching it at all? What is the point in the segments that build up to the matches? The matches are the payoff, you know? So I love wrestling promotions where wins and losses matter, and I hate wrestling promotions that... Don't get me wrong, not every match has to be, you know, life or death, but people have to want to win, ultimately. So Into Room 101 is any sort of wrestling promotion or angle or match where the outcome does not matter. Okay. Josh? Yeah, I absolutely agree. As... Shafi was talking then, I can think of a few examples. I remember years ago, there was a Roman Reigns-Bobby Lashley pay-per-view match. Lashley won. Soon after that, they had a contenders match for SummerSlam. Roman won. Roman went off to SummerSlam and got the title match. Like, So what was the point of the pay-per-view match then? Years ago, we had the Undertaker-Shane-WrestleMania match. Shane won. He got control of Raw or whatever. He lost. Shane said goodbye. The crowd cheered for him. Vince said, fuck it, have Raw anyway. So it's like, what was the point of the Hell in a Cell match we just watched then? So no, I, I'm absolutely on board with it. I think like if you watch something and it doesn't really matter who wins or who loses, you think kind of what's the point? I think that's why sport is such a great thing because it is so consequential, the result. And yeah, like it's not got to be rigid. Like if you lose, you're a loser forever. I think that's part of the joys of wrestling is you can tell a, a story based upon matches. But I think at the end of the day, the reason that we enjoy these storylines is to see the big payoff match at the end and who wins and who loses. Perfectly put. So that's a yes for you. Come on. I suppose there's two different parts to the question. That's how I'm breaking it down. Do stakes matter? Yes. Do wins and losses matter? I'm going to edge, and it's an edge, towards no. Because I think losses, maybe this is a case for losses mattering, though. So this is like being a bit meta, but like you can lose matches and get further. So like the idea of like a single result mattering is to me 
doesn't matter. Like you can lose a match, you can win a match. It's fine because the booking should get you there. But like when like Brums spoke about these great, when we were doing the AJBW stuff and like these great wrestlers losing so many matches, it didn't matter because the greatest story was that we were leading towards something. So in terms of people moaning about they need to win, I agree that that I, I don't agree that that matters. But I think wins and losses matter in the sense of you can lose all the time. It's fine because you can make a story out of the losses. So it, it's quite hard. I think stakes are the more important thing. And there has to be something on the line for it to count. So, so wins and losses mattering, yes, I agree as a principle. But I don't agree with the internet version of this, which I think is, I don't think it's the point Shafi's necessarily making. But the internet version that, oh, this guy's been buried because they've lost X match. I don't agree with that at all. I think even if you lose a high profile match, and I was the biggest person for this, by the way, with Cody, even if you lose the most high profile match, the stories that spin off of that, are still worthwhile and still entertaining. So I'm very torn with my own brain trying to work out what the actual point is in a way. But yeah, wins and losses mattering as one statement, I agree with. We literally just had the fantastic podcast with Spike and something that he mentioned in there was a lot of wrestling promoters, a lot of wrestling fans are into instant gratification wrestling. And that idea that, oh, this guy lost on Raw... So what the fuck are they doing with this guy? Not knowing what the booker has planned for him in the future is kind of a pointless task. You're constantly analysing someone's path for the next four or five months and you're analysing every single win and loss. Yeah, like, I think I think Shafi's cleverer than that. I'm not trying to say Shafi's boiling it down to... But I also think that is, if it's a greater statement, I'm not necessarily on board. Does that make sense? So are you going to go yes or no? Oh, I don't, <laughs> I, I've, I've already confused myself on the own argument. Um, I'm going to say, I like Shafi, so I'm going to put it in. (laughs) You've made a tremendous argument to the point where I'm on the fence and now you've buckled. No, no, I am on the fence. (laughs) I think maybe this is just the basis of knowing Shafi. I think Shafi's point isn't necessarily the point I'm making. So I think Shafi's point is correct. But as a statement, if you read it, I think people could read it different ways. I've always been of the opinion, like I say, that wins and losses don't matter individually. But in terms of storyline, wins and losses obviously matter. So for that reason, yeah. yes, it's going in. Yeah, for me, it's a yes. And largely because of what Shafi was mentioning about TNA cutting away from celebrations. Like, imagine the Bailey win at TakeOver without the Four Horsemen. You know, like, it adds so much. It adds emotion. It adds gravitas. It adds feeling. And you take that out of wrestling, and it's a lot worse. So, yeah, absolutely. Wrestling where things don't matter definitely going in ross if you had um tom beat spike and then they just put the lights off you wouldn't have saw me cry when you bought the car in our window <laughs> that's true <laughs> Bromit. so mine's a yes but i think matt's point is an interesting one and that's actually what my final one is which is similar but i call it pointless wrestling is what i'm putting in there and i think a way to think about this right let's say you're editing like a book a tv show a film right every chapter or scene should be adding something to either the narrative or the character or the relationship or the relationships in the book, right? That's what it should be doing. Don't get me wrong. There are a few exceptions where you just, I don't know, the writing's just absolutely gorgeous and you're just bathing in the prose, but they're exceptions, right? Realistically, it should be about either setting a scene, narrative, character, relationships. Wrestling just doesn't seem to get this at all in the majority. And it's not to say that every match has got to have a hot angle on it, What's quite interesting, if you go back to when kayfabe was important, 
especially in like the British scene, the European catch scene, what they used to have in the matches, even when it was times of like really big over the top baby faces at, at times, like Big Daddy or whatever, you'd have like a match in there with maybe two sort of slightly neutral guys and it'd be hard hitting technical matches. Because what that does is that, but that scene setting that establishes that it's basically keeping the business strong. So people watch it go, oh, that's something real. So when it builds up to matches later where they, have more of a story point they kind of they have a hook and they have something in the ground so like this is where i probably slightly differ from shaft even though i overall agree with this point but that i do think that there can be certain things that don't matter if it's an overall scene setter however realistically every single match on a card on a show whatever in wrestling needs to have a purpose it needs to be there. It needs to be doing something. Ideally, it should be furthering both the characters in the match. And this is going back to I think Matt's point. It should be either developing a new set of rivalries. It should be doing something for the overall promotion. Ideally, it should be doing everything. And actually, I think when I fell out of love with mainstream wrestling, something in, or mainstream Western wrestling, so WB and TNA, when I kind of stopped watching that, it was because there were just so many matches that were just inane, pointless, throwaway matches just to fill airtime. And I found it really insulting as a viewer that I tuned into this and just an absolute disrespect for me as a viewer. They just throw in a match that just didn't matter. It's just a waste of everyone's time, waste of my time. Just, well, actually, it's not every match should have a purpose. And wrestling fails at that so much. And it fucks me off so much. So that's my angle, pointless wrestling. So similar to Shaft's point, but with um, a slightly different angle. I once saw a Bruce Pritchard call sheet and it just said, waste Bradman's time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, funnily enough, I didn't let him waste my time. I once went to a a wrestling show where him and who's that fucking idiot who's connected to the Flair family somehow. Conrad. Yeah, those two were doing some absolute shite horse of a podcast after um, a wrestling show I went to in York Hall, I think it was. I got free tickets to it through a mate, but I just fucked it off straight away. I was like, I'm not watching this. It's it's embarrassing for everyone involved. Sounds like you might have been at a convention, bro. I was at a wrestling show. I think it was that, um, sorry to go on the thing, talking about actually Fight Forever. Was it called Fight Forever? Like Cody had a random... Yeah, Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, I went to that. So fuck off, Shaft. There was no conventing. (laughs) So back to the Rome 101. <laughs> I'm going to call this one Wasting Brum's Time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Josh. I believe uh, our friend Brum's time is very important. Uh, I don't like to see it wasted by anyone, particularly wrestling companies or promoters. So I absolutely agree with this. I think sometimes we've seen it. It's just we'll put this match together to get a name on a particular card. I think this past week on Dynamite, we had Britt Baker <laughs> wrestle. Just seemed to be for the sake of having a women's match on. That's great. great Actually, I didn't think about that component of it, but yeah, that is a a real, a real annoying example of it. Yeah. And like, I get understanding building up if it's like, I remember when they brought Braun Strowman to Raw and he was just on his own and he was just squashing people for a bit. That's fine because that's building up Braun Strowman and then gradually he wrestled two people and then he'd wrestle wrestlers who we know. That's fine if you're building (laughs) up a character and it's for a clear purpose. Putting a match together to get, say, women on a dynamite or whatever, for an example or just to get a name on a card. Great, brilliant. We'll all just go to the bathroom and see for the main event. So that's a yes. That's a yes. <laughs> <laughs> Rob's time is important. 
<laughs> Shaffy? Yeah. Short and sweet. Love I, it. I, I don't want to waste any more Brum's time, so. Top <laughs> <laughs> man? Yeah, I'll agree. Fantastic stuff. So there you are, Brum. You've got your last one in. So that rounds up Room 101, where we have cleared from wrestling. Cosplay. Stands. We want tables, chance. Jazz hand wrestling. <laughs> Near full spoilers. Tribalism. First name, first name, first name, fucking last name. Wrestling theme songs being good. Wrestling where the outcome does not matter. And pointless wrestling. Open brackets. Wasting Bram's time. So there you go. Do you know, do you know how bad our wrestling is going to be if we take all these things out, though? <laughs> Look at how the most bland, ready, salted production of wrestling. Oh, here you go. Here's two lads in black pants and they no jazz hands about it. They're just going to wrestle. And then welcome one of them the... wins and it really matters. Welcome, back to, welcome back to the WWE Performance Center era of the coronavirus pandemic. <laughs> it, the pageantry's gone, lads. We've done it. We've killed it. But it doesn't matter because the stakes really matter. <laughs> All of this is pointing to the only kind of wrestling we're allowed to watch from now on is that hard cam young lines cut that you watch, Matt. I'm all hey, go back and watch. Uh, what was his name? I can't remember his name. It was something with a K. Was it like Kitamura? Was that his Kitamura. Name? Just watch him just slap up some guys that were 50 pounds lighter than him. Just go and watch <laughs> that on a hard cam. Anyway, it's boring. It was boring. Why are we talking about it? Tune in next week to the Wrestling Should Be Distinctly Average podcast. <laughs> So that is why we will never put on a show. (laughs) (laughs) So that was Wrestling Should Be Fun's Room 101, where we've made wrestling boring. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that is episode 101 wrapped up. Thanks to Josh for coming on. Thanks very much, Josh. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Shaf, thanks for coming on. You're welcome. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit disappointed that my list got broken down. You know, the Sultan would have liked to have gone into bigger detail about how much he hates people referring to themselves in the third person. But unfortunately, we could not do that. Good night. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Brum, thanks very much for popping on. Looking forward to you being back on soon. Cheers, mate. Will do. And Conman, thanks so much for coming on. Apologies for thinking that you had <laughs> an option for Room 101. But let's face it, you hate referees. I came with no opinions, I can't argue. <laughs> Seemed like you had some at the end, mate. Oh, well, I, I, it unfolded, didn't it? <laughs> wait, wait one second. Is Matt trying to put Room 101 into Room 101? <laughs> room 101 <laughs> is going in. <laughs> this has been the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. Look after your mates and drink lots of water. See you, pals. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun, wrestling should be fun.